Welcome to the You Matter Podcast, where together we'll laugh, grow, and learn to love others more each day. We believe that each person has intrinsic value and everyone has a story that's still unfolding. Join us as we hear stories of real people and get inspired to go out to remind people in this world that they matter too. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 10 of the You Matter podcast. I am super excited for today's episode and for lots of reasons, but one, because I'm kind of in the shoes of a listener today, too, because today is the first time I've gotten to meet today's guest, which is so exciting, but I have heard such incredible things about her joyful character and servant's heart and just gift of being a mama. So I'm just <laughs> looking forward to getting to know her today and getting to hear her story. So with all that said, I'm so happy to welcome Bethany Godoy to the podcast. Hey, Bethany. Hey, thank you so much, Rachel. Yes. So I would love if you would just introduce yourself a bit and just share a little bit of who you are. Okay, well... I moved to Belize when I was 11 years old, so I've been in Belize for 13 years. So pretty much all of my life I have been here, and I think Belize shaped who I am. That when I was 10 years old, I heard God saying that you're going to move to Belize before my parents had agreed to it yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I felt like I was being called, and I was waiting for my parents to get on board. <laughs> <laughs> so I was so excited when my dad came off the plane and I said, so when are we going? He's like, shh, I got to tell your mom, don't ruin this. <laughs> so when we moved here. I felt like God was, God was just putting me where I belonged. And I mean, growing up, I was the only American in my group of friends. I was always kind of the odd one for the first time ever. And I had to learn a lot about cultures and the people around me. And that shaped my heart and what I do today. So I married a Belizean and we have been in youth ministry for five years. We run a youth group called 412 Youth. And that is where Andrew was helping us when he was in Belize. And it's so cool because he was our youth leader and inspired us to be youth leaders. And I run a dance program in the village as a sponsorship, and we have been foster parents for the last five years, and we've had 13 kids come through our house. Wow. So you guys are busy. (laughs) We're busy. That's so cool, though. And to hear a call like that from such a young age, too, is probably just so amazing, because then that is just so, like, close to your heart for so long. Yeah, that's awesome. What was that like, like, as such a young kid, too, like, like hearing God's voice like that, even before your parents. (laughs) I always felt like I had a close relationship with God. Like one of my first memories of praying was when we were, we were missionaries in Africa when I was younger. And I think I was about four or five and our car wouldn't start. And my mom's like, Bethany, you need to pray. And I prayed and the car started right away. So I felt like I was taught that God listens to me when I speak. So when I was back in the States, me and my friends, like their pastor's kids, we would go in the basement when the adults were having like prayer services and we'd pray on our own because we wanted to do it too. So I felt like God had put a desire in my heart from young. Wow. That is so special. And now like that you can relate to your kids like that too. And that like kids really can understand. I love when people say like, God is a God that like everyone can understand, like he has made it so that like kids can understand and connect yes. with things. Yeah, 
I love that. My son is very sensitive to spiritual things, and sometimes he'll just walk up to me, and it's like he speaks a word to me, and it's almost like he isn't a child anymore. He's just speaking with God's voice, and then he just walks away. (laughs) Oh, my word. (laughs) That's so awesome. I love that. Well, sweet. Well, I too, I'd want to ask you just my favorite question to ask people um, and just jump in kind of by asking you to share a story of a time when someone made you feel like you matter and reminded you that you have value. I've been thinking about this the last week. And to be honest, I feel like most of my life is me giving. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had many relationships consistently where I felt like I was being poured into because it's usually the other way around. But last year, we, our family went through a very hard time. One of our foster children died in his sleep. And I, I was devastated. I was in shock. I didn't know what to do. And my sister, who's 11 years older than me, my sister called me and said, I'm coming. And she told me two days, when can I come? And I said, you don't have to. She says, no, I'm coming. And she dropped everything and came to Belize for 10 days just to be with me, just to help me with my kids, just to drive me around because I wasn't able to drive myself during that time. And it just made me feel so, so special, so loved, and like I mattered, like I really, truly did. That's so special, like you said, to have those people in our life that, pour into us when we're so used to pouring out but it's like we're empty and need somebody to fill us up wow that's so powerful and she is she from the states so she had a ways to go (laughs) yes yes she's from the states so yeah she had to come and come from new york worked from my parents house while the kids were sleeping so that she could help me during the day oh my word i'm just looking at so funny that you say that i was doing my devotion in James this morning and it literally was talking about just that like what we're called to as like a community to comfort one another in our times of suffering because I mean Jesus is our ultimate comfort but like that's part of the joy we get to have as being a family in Christ so I'm looking now to see because the verse I was like wow that's so good (laughs) um yeah okay in James 5 11 he says behold we consider those blessed who remain steadfast you have heard of the steadfastness of job and you have seen the purpose of the lord how the lord is compassionate and merciful um and then before that it says be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the lord um and talks about like being patient with one another too throughout the rest of that chapter but i love that because we like i mean sometime we'll be in the position of comforter like like you said having to pour into others so much and it sounds like a lot of your life has been like that, but it's so awesome when we get to like relate to others and experience when they comfort us too. So yeah, that's so cool, and definitely makes you feel like you matter when people are giving up their time and willing to just be with you. Like that's kind of been a topic of our conversation in my house, like lately too. Like because it can be so nerve-wracking, like wanting to not say the wrong thing or like how to comfort people when they're in suffering. Yeah. Um, And, like, so much of what I hear when, like, I listen to podcasts about it or read about it, people say, like, when I was in suffering, I wasn't hurt by what somebody said that was wrong or them doing something wrong. I was most hurt when just nobody showed up or nobody said anything. So 
So I love that she showed up for you. (laughs) And something my mom always told me about in Africa when people would be mourning, people would come and just sit in front of their house and not say anything. They would just come and sit. They didn't have to say anything and that that spoke more. Everyone just came and they sat and they just let the person cry. And I think that matters so much, just your presence. Just being there, I so agree. That's so powerful. Well, awesome. Well, I I know that there are those awesome times that people have comforted you and made you feel like you matter. So I'd love to ask too, is there a time that stands out that you can think of maybe that um, you had the opportunity to remind someone that they mattered and be in the other person's shoes? <laughs> yes. Um, I think one that comes to mind is our first foster son. He was 17 years old and taller than me and my husband. And <laughs> it was really hard because I had a two-year-old little boy and all of a sudden a 17-year-old son. And at the time, I was 21. Wow. So... <laughs> It was a little bit awkward. I didn't exactly know how to relate sometimes and how to mother him. But one day he said that he had to have a crown first to get at school. So I got the paper. I gave it to him. I told him how to do it. And he just, he could not get it. He could not get it. And I just said, <laughs> let me help you. So I like, I got up, I measured his head. I was doing it. And he goes, you're acting like my mom. Mm. I'm like, I am a mom. He goes, but you're acting like my mom. And it was so profound to me that all it took was acting like a mom. I already was a mom, but it mattered because I was acting like his mom. I was doing something motherly, even if it was making a paper crown for a 17-year-old kid. That made him feel loved and important. Wow. And just something so, like, seemingly small, but yeah. can mean so much to someone that you put in effort and... <laughs> yes. And we'll help them with the small things, too. But I imagine, like, something small like that, too. I'm not sure his story before that and everything, but I'm sure, like, having that comfort of someone helping him with even something small is probably so, like, reassuring to him. Yeah. So that's awesome. So how did you and your husband get started with foster care? How did you guys decide to jump into that? Well, we kind of got wrangled into it by... Um, yeah, really did. We were not even, I think we had just turned 20 and we were asked to do respite care for a friend of ours who they wanted to travel and they couldn't take their foster kids with them. So we said, sure. And we had, we had said, okay, just let us know what we have to do. And it turns out you have to become registered foster parents overall to become able to do respite care. So we had to do all the like the home study, the paperwork, and I mean, in Belize, it's not that hard. They're really thankful for <laughs> everyone that they can get to do it. And they actually made an exception because we were not 21 yet. And so that's how we got started. We just were doing respite care for a week. And then a few months later, we got our first call. And then a few months later, we got another call and then another call, and we've also done unofficial fostering for the kids in our youth group. It just seems like we never have more than three or four months that somebody extra isn't living in our house. Wow, that's so cool to be able to just open your home and welcome kids in and like be that family for them. So that is a really 
unique and special call, but I know God definitely uses you guys a lot in that and just loves those kids. So yeah. that's, so yeah. And then can you tell me more about your youth ministry too? I know you, you mentioned it. And then Andrew, who was on our podcast earlier, he's getting lots of shout outs these days on these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves it. He does. He does. Um, but yeah. So what's your youth ministry like in Belize? So our youth group is 412 for 1st Timothy 12. Do not let anyone look down on you for you are young. So it started out with us being in a small church. We were attending at the time and they said, would you be assistants for the youth group? And my husband and I said, sure, we had a baby. Like, sure, we can assist, we can help. And then once we got there, like, can you run it? (laughs) So then we said, sure. If it was a good night, we had six kids. I mean, it was a tiny church. And not long after we had gotten the roles of youth leaders, the church disintegrated. The pastor had been found in sin and everything fell apart. But the kids didn't want to stop meeting and we didn't want to tell them you lost your church and your youth group. So we decided to start meeting in our village in Camalote. So we reached out to uh, a camp and asked if we could use their chapel once a week and they said yes, graciously gave us the space. And it grew from a group of maybe six to at one point we had like 40 kids, 50 kids coming every Saturday on a good night. Usually we have about 20, but with COVID, everything has been shut down. We've had a strict state of emergency here with curfews and police patrolling. And this Saturday is actually our first week back in session and I'm really excited we've missed them so much but we have gone from this is our fifth year now so we have seen a whole group of kids graduate and grow up so now we are moving from your teenagers and you can come to youth group to having to have a young adult and a youth group so that's also starting this week and I'm very excited about but it just it feels like we're a family and I feel like Growing up in a village, you don't have much to do. You don't have much much freedom. You don't have many opportunities. But in a youth group, you can find peace. You can find refuge. You can find so much encouragement. And I know that because that's the model that Andrew gave to me and my husband when we were in his youth group. And I'm so excited to see this new wave of kids come in that are young to come through the next few years. That's so cool. And that it's growing to that, like what you said, that you guys are still meeting them where they are. And it's not just like they graduate and you're like, okay, see ya. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You're sticking through it and like like a family would, like growing through life together and sticking together. So that is awesome. Makes me want to come to Belize and come to your youth group. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you ever do, you're definitely welcome. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sweet. That's so cool. So I like, I totally have just a heart for like international missions. And I so hope that that's something I'm able to do um, in the future with, I'm a Spanish major in school right now. And so I'm hoping that'll lead me into hopefully work in nonprofits and do communication work for that. So anyway, but I love just talking about different cultures and learning about it too. So I'd love to hear just kind of like 
maybe some things, um, even if they're silly things, but just things that you had to learn when you were getting used to Belizean culture. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's a little funny story. When we first moved to Belize, we were in a village called Las Flores, and we were there probably two days. I didn't know anyone, and my dad saw this lady from church that, like, he had been introduced to. We hadn't even gone to church yet, and she comes and says, I'm taking the young girls to my house to do crafts. Does your daughter want to come? And he says, yes, she does, and pushed me to the car. He didn't know where I was going. I didn't know anyone I was in the car with. I didn't understand a word they were saying the whole time. It was the weirdest, scariest experience I think I've had, like, in the very beginning, because I leaned over to one of the girls and I said, what language are they speaking? She goes, we're talking in Creole. You don't understand us. Like, no, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> so for the whole afternoon, I was just, I, I didn't understand anything. But those same girls that I was so scared with took me in under their wing and started walking me around the village and telling me Creole words and letting me try food from the fire heart that they cooked on the fire. And they started teaching me the ways of how to operate and understand village life. So I was very appreciative for that. But definitely trying to understand Creole was the hardest thing at first. Oh, my word. (laughs) That's so funny. Your dad was like, yeah, go on. (laughs) I got back and I said, you didn't even know where I was. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sometimes that's good. Just jump right out of the comfort zone. But... (laughs) Yeah, I always tease my parents that they had no idea where I was in the village. They'd just say, okay, you can go. And I'd walk with the kids, and I didn't know where I was either. I was just trusting that they'd bring me home. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, my word. Because, yeah, too, isn't – so Creole's – isn't that a mix between Haitian and, like, French and – Creole is different. So this is – it's – most of the words – we're trying to explain this to my son recently because he speaks mostly English. That it, lots of the words are English, but they're said with a different pronunciation. You mix it up. Basically, it feels like English words with absolutely no grammar and an accent. <laughs> and everybody's Creole is different, like depending on where you are in Belize. So if I talk to somebody from Belize City, I might not understand some of the words that they're saying because it's for their area. <laughs> And my husband laughs at some of the words that I use because I learned it from the Spanish village, and he is not from a Spanish village. Oh, my (laughs) God. It's like, oh, I have to explain myself now. That is hilarious. Oh, my word. (laughs) Well, I mean, I feel that way sometimes in the States. I'm from the north originally. I'm from Pennsylvania, but I live, well, I go to school in Georgia, and I live in Panama City right now. And so I always say, like, I swear I learn a new word, like, every day. (laughs) Um, and like we speak the same language, but I never heard fixin' to, and I didn't know what a bug was. <laughs> yes. So that's so funny. Are there um any words? I always think this is so interesting. Like, are there any words in Creole that like don't really have a translation? I know it's similar to English, but like don't really have a translation to English because the meaning's just so like different. Um. Uh. I'm trying to think. Whenever people ask me to talk or explain Creole, my mind goes completely blank. <laughs> yeah. It goes, it's just, it's gone. I, the same thing happens, like, if we would go back to a church when I was a teenager and they'd say, talk in Creole, and they'd put me in the front, I couldn't say anything. 
Um, I think some of the words that they use is like, you know how we like say shucks or shoot? Mm-hmm. Some of the words that they say for that, like maras, it, I, I don't feel like there's a real explanation to what it truly means. It's just kind of like shoot. <laughs> the only thing I can think of right now is like maras. It means like, oh no. <laughs> I love that. Well, now if we travel, we'll know how to say shucks or. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, awesome. Well, I would love to ask you um, one other question, too. Somebody asked me this the other day, and I just thought it was such a a good question to reflect on. So they asked, what are you learning right now? And it seemed simple, but I feel like that's just so, like, helpful to um, reflect on everything. So I'd love to ask you that. What are are you learning right now? I think what I'm learning is, let me see if I can put it into words. You know the verse that says, God is not slow in fulfilling his promises, like we find slowness. I feel like there have been lots of unanswered prayers for healing or different things in my life in the last few years. Because it's been, the fostering journey and the ministry journey has been wonderful, but it's also been hard. And I have felt like I have been broken in so many ways along the way and I want to break for what breaks Jesus's heart but I still I still long for more in the midst of this and I heard God tell me at the beginning of the year that this year's word was redemption and I keep telling God I feel like I haven't seen any of it and we're already halfway through the year I don't know if I'm going to be redeemed and I feel like he is slowly reminding me that He's not slow in the way I think. He's working it out slowly for my good. And if I slow down and see the redemption in the small things, I can see that it adds up to a bigger picture. I can see that our foster kids don't wet the bed every night because they're scared, they're afraid. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the redemption of their story. I can see them speaking about Jesus and that they love him. And that's part of the redemption of their story. And it might not be for me yet, but God is using their story to redeem me as well. Wow. That's so powerful. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think that's so true. Like even that verse that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. And I just always think like tell myself like his timing is higher than my timing because we want it. You know, we see it in our timing. Um, But that's such a beautiful way to look at it. Like his timing is slowly building that recognition that you can just like praise him for the redemption that is even in the small things. So, wow, <laughs> that's something that I'm going to reflect on too. That's really <laughs> awesome. But so I love to close it off and just um, give it to you. If you are able to just encourage someone right now. And I know that's so hard. There's probably so much that we could say with the way the world is, but if you, could just like give somebody one piece of encouragement right now, what would you say to them? I think that I would encourage whoever's listening to this that right now won't last forever. The pain, the things in this world that we're going through right now, it will not last forever. And earth is not our home. We have a home in eternity. And that everything that we are going through right now is maybe giving us a greater longing for Jesus and for our true home and to hold on to hope for dear life that 
now is not your final destination. God has so much more for your life than this moment right now. So if you can keep holding on through right now, you're going to get to something very beautiful. That perseverance, I love that. Um, it reminds me of Second Corinthians 4. Um, it says, we don't lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. This light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I love that, that this isn't our home and that right now is light and momentary in, in perspective of what awaits when Jesus calls us home. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, that is an encouraging, powerful place to leave off. So I think we'll leave everybody with that into their day um <laughs> wherever they are but thanks so much for doing this and for jumping on the podcast and for Thank sharing you. your story too yeah so much well hey everybody i just wanted to pop on um before you head into your day um just leave you with a little extra message on this podcast Um, But I just want to say I'm so thankful to have gotten the opportunity to talk with Bethany and hear her story. And I've also just been so thankful to have had each of the guests on this season. And it really just has been just such a gift to me to hear their stories and learn from their wisdom and laugh with them and hear the ways that people have reminded them that they matter. And I've just walked away feeling so inspired and motivated to love others. And I just pray that you all have felt the same way. And I also just so pray that you guys are all reminded that you have value and that your story is still unfolding and that you matter ultimately because God says so. And I know that we've talked a lot on this podcast about the truth that you matter, not just because I say so, or even because someone in your life says so, but ultimately because God says so. And I just want to share, though, that God doesn't just say so either, but he really did prove it by sending his son, Jesus, to pay a debt for you and for me that we just couldn't pay ourselves by dying on the cross. And lots of guests have talked about that relationship with God that it's just been so impactful in their life. So I just want to extend the invitation that if you want to talk more and if you have questions about that or just want to hear more about a relationship with God, I would love nothing more than to talk to you. So you can shoot me an email at youmatterletters at gmail.com or if you aren't a big emailer, you can give me a call at 570-204-0801 and I know crazy giving out the phone number here, but Really, I I just would be so happy to have a way to talk to you because I've spent a whole lot of this season talking to you, so I would just love to hear from you. Um, but really, this is such a gift, and I've just so enjoyed this venture, and I'm so excited for what's to come with it, and I just pray that this has impacted you all, but I just want you to know that this has so, so impacted me and taught me so much. So the next couple weeks, um, I'm going to be diving into more of these conversations and the podcast will be back in the fall with such incredible stories. So if you have requests of someone you want to hear on the podcast, or if you even want to be on it yourself, just reach out to me or reach out on youmatterletters.com. But until then, Listen back to the episodes you've missed, pick your faves, and share them with your friends. 
And I just want to thank you all for your support throughout this venture and for making me feel like I matter. And I just believe that you matter. So go out and get reminding others that they matter too. And I'll see you all in the fall.